A Little Hatred, the novel to kick off Joe Abercrombie's latest series in the First Law universe. The Age of Madness. Okay, well, what's all the fuss about? Would you like a book review? Do you want me to say the characters lack the iconic nature of the original trilogy? That they feel secondhand? That the magic of the first trilogy is absent from this one? I believe at least one of these things is true. That is true. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I want to talk about war. If you're familiar with my work, you might have figured out by now that I don't love making reviews. Which is honestly strange, even to me, given I have a lot to say about most novels I read. That said, when approaching a book for any type of analysis, I'd rather just talk about the elements of a novel that made me think. The parts that made me feel something. The values I gleaned from the text that I can apply to my own work. Several early subscribers to this channel came from Abercrombie's fandom due to the pieces I've made in the past surrounding the original trilogy, and I've been receiving questions for a while asking when I'll return to the world for more videos. The short answer is, well, now. You're here, aren't you? But the longer one isn't without merit. In truth, writing pieces about fiction is hard, especially when finding novels you're passionate about becomes a bit of a slog. I hate to be a downer, but you have no idea how many books I eagerly read, only to find myself with no vivid feelings in the aftermath, no real passion for the work. Now that's not a knock on the authors I read, only chasing down the creative muse of video essay writing can be a long one. But let's get back to Joe Abercrombie. Returning to Joe's world for more than one piece is tough, because in truth, I've long felt like I said what I had to say in the past, and maybe I should leave it at that. But since I'm here now, making this piece, obviously that's not how things panned out, is it? So without further ado, let's talk about A Little Hatred. But before we do that, if you enjoy content like this, consider smashing that like button and subscribing to the channel for future content like this. The Age of Madness continues Abercrombie's legacy, picking up the First Law's torch once more and pays all due respect, ushering new characters from the same places we know and love or hate too, if we're being honest, into the Industrial Revolution. That said, not much has changed. The First Law trilogy, Abercrombie's smashing debut, established the signature style, and since then, Abercrombie hasn't deviated really, but rather, he's refined. The world the Age of Madness takes place in is the same, but different. But that's not a bad thing. In fact, it may be the point. And that point aligns with exactly what this piece is about. Abercrombie's ability to channel stark realism into a fantasy world is frighteningly keen. If a little dark at times, Joe is known for using his characters as magnifying lenses that penetrate down to the ugly, raw skin we all hide beneath veneers and pretentious veils. He places characters into horrible situations and allows them to do the horrible things we tell ourselves we wouldn't do if we were them. Yet deep down, we know we might. Sometimes Abercrombie's lens can even become overbearingly cynical, but that's another discussion for another time. The best way to introduce this concept is with a quote. There are a lot to choose from, but I think this one suits my purpose best. It's from A Little Hatred, when one of our viewpoint characters, Clover, shares a brief word with Call Shivers before a duel takes place. Clover says, hey, well, we all play the cards we're dealt. To which Shiver replies, some of us do. Some of us kill men with better cards and play theirs instead. There are many things Joe does exceptionally, from prose quality to viewpoint management. 
but I'm not here to list accolades. The through line of Abercrombie's work, for me, relates to the very way he's defined the grimdark genre. Now, there is a debate to be had about what defines grimdark, or where Abercrombie's work stands within it. Trust me, I've had enough debates about this to know. But the thing is, Joe doesn't seem to set out to write grimdark novels. More, he writes novels that are both grim and dark. Does that make sense? It, it, it does in my head, okay? Joe's default viewpoint doesn't give many characters the benefit of the doubt. And when it does, the reader frequently gets burned for believing a narrative that was too good to be true. He often allows the reader glimpses of the romantic side of humanity. Glimmering hope in the distance that there's some good in this world, Mr. Furl. And it's worth fighting for. It's almost cruel how he dangles it before your eyes. It sways back and forth, but just before you've fallen into the rhythm, he pulls the rug from beneath your feet, and the exposed hard surface is jarring. Every Abercrombie novel I've ever read is jarring. The way he approaches writing is jarring. I don't mean the craft, I mean the spirit. If you're familiar with Abercrombie outside of just reading his novels, a la watching how he conducts himself in interviews, it's clear that he doesn't write the barbs his novels contain with any malice or ulterior motive. More, it's simply how he sees the world. The snarky realist who struggles to see the true good in people is on display outside the physical confines of the page. Or maybe it's not that he doesn't see the good in people, but understands how having some good inside doesn't mean you always put that good back into the world. Now, that's not to caricature Abercrombie either. People are far more than the one-liners we print on stickers and slap on their foreheads. But I think you get my point, right? Abercrombie's work is pointed because he is pointed. But he's self-aware too, and that's what allows the art to shine through with every novel he writes. Joe tackles grimy, dark, gross subjects with every entry, and they all contain varying degrees of political opinions and coded messages. But he doesn't write in a way that bestows upon the reader a lesson. Instead, he makes art. Each character comes from a real place with real feelings. They believe the things they say and think with all their hearts, and they fight for them, no matter how right or wrong they seem. And often, when they're right, they get burned. And when they're wrong, they win. Or more often than either, no one really wins. This gray space Abercrombie's work resides in can easily be boxed into some sector of the arbitrarily decided grimdark genre. But wasting time trying to categorize genres isn't a job for a writer or me. Because this might not sound catchy on a bookstore shelf heading, but Abercrombie's books are cynical, morally gray, and realistic to the point of absurdity. And that's the place from which I'll begin to tie this together. I said I wanted to talk about war, so what am I getting at? Well, war is a frequent topic in these novels. Violence of some kind always lurks around the corner, and the threat of an even bigger threat never leaves our characters' peripheral worries. None of this is novel at all, though, is it? Millions of writers constantly address war, and honestly, there may be no new ground left to uncover. So keep in mind while I say this, I'm not claiming Abercrombie invented this take on war. I'm more saying he excels at it to a degree that it has a huge influence on the way his novels come across to the readers. I said a moment ago that he's realistic to the point of absurdity. Abercrombie's depiction of war is absurd. And it's absurd because of how real it is. Now, this description might seem absurd in and of itself, but stick with me here. There are many ways to depict war, 
But one thing so many great novels and films do is only show the exciting bits. Whether they depict glory, mayhem, gore, heartache, or every emotion between, the most common thread between them is that they remain exciting. The scenes are built to keep the reader on the edge of their seat, but Abercrombie turns that on its head. It's not to say he doesn't write exciting scenes though, that he avoids action or anything of the like, but he does spend far more time on everything else. And when the time finally comes for the exciting bit, he still manages the subversion by doing his best to depict a realistic battlefield. Without ever having to say it out loud, he subtly acknowledges how sometimes a character does something heroic by accident or something horrific. Many times they don't muscle through wounds, but rather cry like children. Sometimes they spend an entire battle sequence lost in the confusion, not valiantly striking down foes, but trying to wipe the mud from their eyes because the rain became too great to trudge through. Abercrombie applies realism with a razor sharp edge and constantly reminds the reader that in life, the hero might not be who you expected. Their tales probably weren't how they ended up being told. He spends time with characters doing the small things. They're not always fighting, but instead they're sharpening the spears, preparing the barricades, or struggling to procure food. Natural occurrences block their paths, and unexpected terrain ruins their plans. But why is this all so absurd to me? Well, it's absurd because maybe I can't speak for all readers, but I often laugh to myself while reading. Because when I sit down to read a book about war, the last thing I expect is the truth. You can't handle the truth! I'm always waiting for the Hollywood version of war. I'm waiting for heroism, epic fight sequences, and inspiring speeches. But Abercrombie marches in the opposite direction in pretty much every way. Even when you think he might finally give you the epic moment you crave, there's always a caveat. Now, that isn't to say that Abercrombie is the first to do this. In fact, it seems to be a growing trend right now. I must acknowledge though that Abercrombie has been doing it for quite some time now, but it's also important to note that who does it best is frequently more important than who does it first. Recently, Rebecca Kwong took her own stab at war interpretations with the Poppy War trilogy, and the style is eerily similar in its realism, though without the blunt, almost comical tint that Abercrombie adds. It spends a significant amount of time detailing the boring parts of war, the slow parts, the pathetic parts the parts no one wants to show on screen and no one wants to hear about. Though it's interesting to note that it's possible to do a great job detailing such slog and such horror that war truly is, yet lose the story thread in the process. Or worse, simply bore your readers. Something Abercrombie never really does, for what it's worth. How exactly does he do it though? How does he avoid the pitfalls of going against the grain? Tell me how! I'm tempted to say I don't really know. As much as we try to make it one, storytelling isn't an exact science. Sometimes it's easier to just say some authors have the sauce and some don't. But while I'm out here trying, I might as well say I think Abercrombie succeeds because he conditions the reader. He doesn't set the wrong expectations. He sets things up at his own pace and properly signposts the novel at every turn. He never breaks character and never sacrifices what he's committed to for the rule of cool. There are many technical layers of craft beneath every gimmick he pulls, which is what makes his distinct character voices feel so real. He builds the realism and cynicism into his character rather than a faceless narrator, which makes it all the more believable and dare I say, relatable. 
Thank you guys for watching this video. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel and share this video with your friends if you enjoyed it. I hope you have a great night and I'll talk to you guys in the next video.